You're listening to the RUV English podcast. To hear more and for all the news from Iceland in English, just head to ruv.is slash English. Hello, Roof English, and I'm Darren Adam. Thanks again for your company. Thank you to Lydia Thanissipolu joining me from Siglifjörde. Uh, to take a look, a continuing look and listen at the history of Icelandic music through various different genres. Hi, Lydia. Hello. Nice to be with you again. Lovely to have you back on the show. Now, I say that we're looking at the history of Icelandic music, but we're actually doing it today with references, reference to a lot of current music, but through the prism of a genre that's been around for a while, if that makes sense. Indie and Very indie true. pop. Hard yeah. to really define in any meaningful way. I suppose. But I think the thing about indie is we even now in 2023, we sort of know it when we hear it, do we? I think so. Um, I think it has permeated into popular music um, quite a lot compared to the 80s and 90s when it first sort of emerged. And like you mentioned, uh, I think on the previous show, uh, indie might not mean uh, much today or it definitely doesn't mean what it used to mean. Um, So it can be anachronistic, but uh, as far as how it fits into the broader landscape of music, I think how we, as you said, recognize it is that mm. it's not uh, strictly pop music. So it's not like, you know, Beyonce or Lady Gaga or something like that. Um, it's not exactly pure rock music like grunge was in the 90s or, or you know, like um, other s- sub-stylings mm. of the guitar genre. Um, so it's a sort of mix of... Uh, of popular elements, but perhaps played uh, in a in a more creative way. Yeah, and again, just to go back to what that definition might have been, records that were released independently without the use of major record labels, that probably meant a lot more in big markets like the UK than it ever did in a market such as Iceland. We've talked about the, the very weird phenomenon before of Parlophone Records having to make and press and release some very niche Icelandic uh, folk releases from the 50s and 60s because the infrastructure simply didn't exist in Iceland. So you had these these very niche releases that were on the same label as, literally on the same label as the Beatles. Absolutely. Um, And and then we get into the 1980s, which is when other countries, you know, major markets start talking about independent music, bands releasing their own records or labels that aren't connected to the big major labels. Um, was there any sort of parallel in Iceland? I mean, I'm thinking of Bad Taste. I'm thinking of the label that Björk and the Sugar Cubes finally or famously emerged from. Were they indies in any sort of meaningful sense? Um, I think what you said earlier is quite key about the size of, uh, well, the market, uh, a business person would say, but, you know, the yeah. size of the the scene, the size of the audience and the size of the country at large. Um, uh, I think for sure Bad Taste are definitely now considered indie. Um, I think at that time they were also considered indie. However, given the the popularity of some of the bands on that label uh, in Iceland and abroad that then ended up becoming, you know, worldwide names, then that sort of breaks the idea of of indie as far as at least perhaps the way of of creating the records or the reach and the scope of it. But um, I think it remains indie though because it still isn't, super popular music not everyone can listen to Bjork definitely people not everyone can listen to the Sugar Cubes or some of the other 
um, bands on labels that we consider indie. I think because it's, when it's, I a, first, it's a different way of listening. Yeah, sorry to cut across you there. When I first heard Birthday by the Sugar Cubes, that was as indie a record as they came in mm-hmm. the UK to British ears, the idea of that particular song. And, of course, the label it was released on, slightly problematic name for that label, which has been changed over the years, but it's the same label that Björk is on, and that is still you know, technically an independent record label. But that was a very, very indie song. And, um, you know, a few years after that, Björk was having international success. She was a household name in in pretty much any country that you would set foot in. So, uh, you know, I think it's interesting just to play with the word indie and what we think Mm -hmm. it means as it relates to Iceland. But now we've got that out of the way. Let's let's. um, Let's get to the music, shall we? I did just want to add one quick, one thing very quickly, um, because you mentioned Bjork, and I think she's a very good example of this. So she is popular in the sense that she sells millions of records and plays all around the world and is a household name in many countries around the, the globe. But her music is still independent, so to speak, um, as far as you know how she composes and what she composes, because yes. I think the other reason why in indie independent also emerged as for record labels but also for bands was that uh, so back in the sort of 50s even up until the 60s when we touched upon the golden oldies for example uh, you still definitely had uh, labels finding uh, sort of musicians or bands that played relatively well in, in small areas and then they would take them to the label and they would shape them and mold them and often give them ready written music to perform uh, written by other expert songwriters who belongs to the label mm. so so they were being guided by the people at the top sort of the the men in, in the white uh, yes. shirts uh, as to what would be uh, what would and could and should be popular so the it was the executives taking often decisions about what should be you know listened on the radio and what should be played and promoted um, and so a lot of this music is a bit cookie cutter. That's why, like we mentioned in a previous show, um, we see similar styles of music all across different countries in different languages because they're following this sort of cookie cutter yes. uh, archetype. Whereas artists like Björk uh, and a lot of the artists we're going to listen to today, they they forge their own path and they play yes. what they want to play yes. without following any label rules. Well, we've caveated this a lot. <laughs> uh, we should say there is a a great deal of music to enjoy, a great deal of great music to enjoy in this particular episode. Where do we start? We start with um, the prince of indie music, uh, Prince Polo. May he may he rest in peace. Um, so P- Prince Polo, uh, his full name is uh, Svavar Petur Einsteinsson. And uh, he was an Icelandic singer, songwriter and experimental artist. Uh, he was in uh, various other bands and projects before he focused on his solo solo project, which was definitely more experimental and creative. Um, and uh, I think it was Alex Elliott for Ruv who actually said... My that, predecessor. Yes, exactly. Um, he, he said his creative flair uh, was spread wide across the fields of graphic design, music, pictorial arts, food, photography, clothing, and more. The theme running through his art was often to shine a light on the everyday. And this was very true. He sang about social issues, his lyrics were sort of smart and quirky and catchy. And he he had this signature look where he would wear a paper crown that he made himself uh, and which also featured a lot in his, his visual art. And um, he continued to create music even after he was sadly diagnosed with stage four cancer in 2018. And in 2022, just months before he passed away, he, he even held an exhibition called Kvertnig et tu, where are, how are you? 
uh, and released an album uh, by that same name. And um, he was very popular abroad uh, as a musician and as an as an artist, a visual artist. And of course, he, he was and still is very much loved here at home. Um, so I thought we would listen to one of his uh, hallmark tracks, uh, Paris Nordursins, which became somewhat of an anthem when it first came out back in 2014. <laughs> Prince Polo, and 
as a sidebar, I can never remember whether he took his name from the chocolate bar or vice versa. I believe he took his name from the chocolate bar because that's been around for quite a few decades. And indeed, it's not even Icelandic, is it? It's (laughs) Polish, I believe. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Okay, well, that that makes perfect sense. Okay, Prince Polo, the late Prince Polo. Um, Indie pop today, that's the genre that we're looking at and listening to. Where do we go next? Next, we go to Hjaltalin. Uh, It's possible our audience has already heard of them. Um, they're quite popular on the radio. They feature Hörgni Egilsson uh, from Couscous. Uh, they also feature guitars, violin, cello, bassoon. Um, and they have sort of jazz, funk, electro, classical soul and trip hop elements. Um, and they were all high school students when they started playing together. And today, you know, years and years later, they're, you know, professional composers, producers, songwriters. One of them, I believe, is also a pilot. Um, so their band has definitely been a labor of love for, I think, about 15 years now. Um, and their second record, Terminal, uh, was chosen as Album of the Year at the 2010 Icelandic Music Awards. They've traveled and toured throughout Europe. Um, and that record, Terminal, sold over 10,000 copies domestically, and five singles from that one record spent a combined 44 weeks on the national radio's top 20. So I think that's quite a feat. <laughs> It's the same as the emotion wheel It's just the way I feel It's the jumble of what is real I see waterfall 
But if you take away what makes me real, I might just disappear, venturing into my darkest hour. Cause it's the same as the emotion. That was Hjaltalin and Waterfall. And I wonder whether in this episode we're going to come up against the Icelandic phenomenon of the same names popping up in lots of different bands, which is maybe a function of the the size of the scene. I don't know. I I prefer to think of it as a function of the incredible, uh, unending creativity of Icelanders when it comes to music and various other creative outlets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, if not, well, we already mentioned uh, Hökni, who uh, was in Goskos yes. plays in Hjaltalin. And uh, for sure, um, there's a crossover either between members, but often there's also a crossover perhaps as far as some bands being uh, label mates. So um, one of the bands that we're going to talk about next, um, uh, BSE, are on the label Post Dreifing, which is actually more of an art collective. Um, and uh, a couple of other bands are also featured today are on this, um, are active in this uh, art collective, which the idea behind that is it helps artists gain visibility and know-how and networks. And it has all kinds of interesting um, artists and musicians from indie pop to off-kilter, sort of uh, grungy stuff, art rock, twee pop, uh, fun video clips, dreamy stuff, experimental, glitchy stuff. Um, so you'll definitely find something you like on that label if you head to their uh, Bandcamp post Drafink. Um, and B- like I mentioned, BSE is one of those bands. Um, if you Google their name uh, or the band, uh, you might come up with a comment that says, why would you name your band after Reykjavik's grey and depressing central bus terminal, BSE, the most miserable location you can find in all of Iceland. (laughs) (laughs) But in fact, (laughs) their name actually means Brussels Sprouts International. (laughs) And uh, BSE is made up uh, of uh, Silla Thorarensen and Julius Potlux uh, Rotlinder, um, the first on drums and vocals, the second on bass, guitar and uh, synthesizers. And um, they emerge from this sort of 
do-it-yourself or do-it-together scene in mm-hmm. Reykjavik, which in this respect is quite indie independent because um, they are doing things quite differently. They're working together. They're not uh, purely depending on major labels to uh, discover them and release them and promote them. And um, they also draw references from more independent artists like uh, the Riot Girl mov- movement um, and and the Kruchtpunk which uh, is cute punk uh, in Iceland. It's a sort of uh, subgenre. Um, and uh, during the pandemic, they played the Iceland Airwaves and Eurosonic Festival. Um, they debuted their album, Sometimes Depressed But Always Anti-Fascist, a sort of low-key riot girl twee punk um, endeavor. And uh, they also played the tribute uh, show to the late Prince Polo, who we uh, mentioned earlier. And they're on at least two Reykjavik-based labels, Why Not Plutter and the aforementioned Post Dreifing. And in fact, their single, Vestur Bayer Beach, uh, even won Best Song at the Reykjavik Grapevine Music Awards last year in 2022. And I just want to mention one more thing, that two of their other songs were on a compilation record uh, where all the proceeds went to Stigamolt, which is a center for survivors of sexual violence, and it provides free and confidential uh, professional counseling. So you can find that release on the band's Bandcamp page, but you can also find more information about Stigamot at stigamot.is forward slash languages forward slash English. Okay, and the song we're going to hear, I think the title of this gives an indication of their political leanings as much as anything else. This is BSE and My Knee Against Kyriarch.
BSE, My Knee Against Kiriaki, uh, a song which is emblematic, I think, of the indie pop scene in Iceland today as much as anything can be, I suppose. Um, we're going to go to Oliver Kram next uh, and a self-titled piece. What can you tell us about him and or them? Okay. <laughs> so Oliver Kram is actually a collective from Reykjavik. But the name comes from Mark Ruffalo, spelled backwards. <laughs> so um, it's the embodiment of a oh, so it does. Mark yes, Ruffalo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, the, but when the band noticed this, one of the members, they, they sort of had a revelation and said, oh, we should totally name our band like this. Um, or our collective, I guess, because it's uh, drums, keyboards, guitar, bass, trumpet and vocals. Um, and this this uh, collective, they don't stick to one role. There's no lead singer. The members take turns uh, singing and uh, they like to play around with words and meanings. Uh, so, for example, the Icelandic word for uh, sea, which is sjó, and the Icelandic word for snow, which is snjór, uh, make lyrics that sound in Icelandic something like throwing a sea ball in and swimming in the snow. <laughs> so it's definitely got some... Uh, fun uh, experimentation there yes. and they sort of mix punk and jazz and rock with bossa nova and disco and in 2021 they also won the uh, music tilronum uh, competition
That is, they are Oliver Cram. Um, and if you hadn't said it, Mark Ruffalo backwards, I would never have spotted it in a million years. Now <laughs> it's all I can see. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, let's go to Groa. Okay, yeah. Groa have recently um, hit on the scene. Hmm. Uh, it is a, a group of young women who uh, started out quite young as teenagers. Um, Frida taught herself how to play the bass from online videos. Krabhildur taught herself how to play the drums from uh, YouTube tutorials. And uh, Carolina had never sung in a band before. Um, so they definitely got uh, sort of teen, teen spirit running through them. They play sort of alternative indie rock with some punky moments. They are also uh, in the post Dreifing uh, uh, sort of collective I mentioned earlier. Mm. And uh, they also played the uh, music Tilronin song competition and they reached the finals. And if you like early Bjork stuff and off kilter guitars and um, unconventional song structures, you're definitely going to find something uh, to enjoy about this, their brand of sort of reckless abandon. And um, back in 2018, when they were still very, very, very young, just teenagers, they realized people were paying a bit more attention to the fact that they were girls and not to the actual music. So mm. they, they had a statement where they did say, we want to be a good example for girls and we want to be part of showing that it doesn't matter what gender you are, you can still do what you want in life. And they're about to prove that. Groa, Escal, be the Eftethia.
as grower escal vida after tier and the final selection from my list for today is scratar uh, uh, unpredictable and uh, they i think they dubbed themselves the most dangerous uh, rock band or danger the most dangerous pop band in oh, iceland okay. and uh, <laughs> that's how they describe themselves at least and they formed back in 2016 and uh, if you are aware of this massive band that recently has taken by storm the indie scene idols then i think you will enjoy uh Skrachtar. um they have a, a sound a bit similar to some of the the more um, weird things coming from New York in the early 2000s. And they call themselves cigarette rock with an electronic vibe. And uh, it's still rooted, of course, in, in rock music, but it's it's snarly. It's got sort of bored, sexy lyrics. It's uh, got a lot of attitude. And uh, their 2021 record, Hellraiser Number no. 4, was released on BBBBBB Records, which we uh, mentioned <laughs> in our first episode. Yes, 16. yes. <laughs> I remember having um, to be doubly certain when we wrote the article that accompanies the shows that we'd got the right number of Bs. Exactly, yeah, yeah. So six Bs. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, one thing that uh, I, I appreciated about this band is not only that they they blend various styles in, in a sort of very free uh, manner, they they also referenced uh, suicide from, from New York in the late 70s as mm. one, of the, one of their major influences. So this was a good sign for me. And uh, they're one of my favourite bands. And uh, also, I've seen some videos, and they, you know, their shows are uh, quite intense and engaging. So at some point, I would really like to see them them live. Okay, let's hear them on record. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. 
Skratar, we have, I think, time for one more. You've got three possible selections here. So, of course, I'm going to let you choose. But quickly, just tell me about the three which remain and the one you're going to go for. Okay, so I this scene is is populated. It's popular and it's also populated. So there are a lot of bands um, that that people can check out from the obviously quite well known Mammut uh, to Taitur Magnusson uh, to Sucks to Be You Nigel, FM Belfast, uh, obviously of Monsters and Men, and and a little few decades back mm. or years back uh, Mum. Uh, we also have Sieber, Flot, uh, Retro Stefson, Virgin Orchestra, Worm is Green, uh, Celebs and Super Serious. And um, I've got some backup songs by a band called uh, Scoffin. Uh, th that's one of the tracks, which is for definitely for fans of tight, snappy indie rock. So lots of high energy drums, jangly guitars. Um, and they submitted a track to the 2003 Eurovision contest. <laughs> mm. um, didn't make it all the way. But it kind of reminds you of like if the Kaiser Chiefs had listened to more Sonic Youth and post-punk growing up. Well, they wouldn't um, be the Kaiser and... Chiefs then, would they? <laughs> no, it wouldn't. It would probably be better than the Kaiser Chiefs. <laughs> but Scoffin are, are, are quite good. I, I enjoy what they're doing. They're quirky. Um, and so uh, the track that I've selected uh, by them is Saithar uh, Stelpur. Oh yeah, it's just a stereotype. 
Skofin and Saitar Stelpur. And that concludes our look and listen to indie pop today. And it feels like a genre, of course, Lydia, were we to do this again next week, we'd be looking at a completely different set of music because the scene would have moved on. It's such a uh, it's such a fragmented scene. It's such a healthy scene, but everyone is doing their own thing. In it. Yeah, definitely a healthy scene uh, when you see cross-pollination as well. Mm. Um, and because of so much creativity, like you mentioned earlier, there are so many little sub-scenes um, and it seems everyone knows each other and they're very, very... Um, you know, eager to collaborate. So this is good because it, it gives us lots and lots of new music to listen to. Now, next week, we'll listen to synth punk in Iceland. And I and don't tell me yet. I want to find out next week. I don't know whether we are going to be going into the distant past for the songs that we're going to hear or whether we're going to hear music that's being made right now because synth punk feels like something that could be both very, very current and at the same time, absolutely redolent of the of the early 1980s. We'll find out next week. Lydia, thank you very much indeed. Lydia, Lydia Athanasopoulou joining me, music journalist in Sieglafjörder on the show here on Ruve English today. Get in touch anytime. We are English at ruv.is. You're listening to the Ruve English podcast. To hear more and for all the news from Iceland in English, just head to ruv.is English.